It's a mean world out there. And it's a mean rage. Let's change the culture. Let's change the way we think about this world. Let's have a hell of a time doing it. Welcome to Mean Age Daydream, a home for comedy, a home for some politics, and a daydream of a world that doesn't suck. I'm Brian McWilliams. Welcome to this man world. Turn the lights on, please. Hey, 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 hey. I saw the whole thing. I know, it was annoying you. You, you were bummed out because he was filming the whole time. Was it been the whole show or just now? Just now when I came over? Was it the whole time? Yeah, he's the one like everyone. The thing is, I know it upset you. But you can't fucking hit him in the back of the head either, even though you're a woman. I appreciate the fact that you can be strong. Quit hitting him, you're out of here. Getting the violence is not allowed. I'm sorry, ma'am. There's no violence allowed. No violence allowed on this show either, damn it. Welcome to Mean Age Daydream, everybody. I am Brian McWilliams. Wanted to kick off the show with that little bit from uh, Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam, if you hadn't heard. Eddie Vedder booted abroad out of a show for whacking a dude in the back of the head for trying to film one of the songs the animal was playing. And we'll get right back to that story in a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, IP Vanish. Guys, if you want a VPN to protect you from people following you around the internet, from ads, knowing what you're browsing, what you're doing, from people being able to get your private info, being able to snoop on what your activities are, and uh, basically being able to find out what you're doing that's a little naughty. Well, IP Vanish is the number one solution to stop people from accessing your private data when you're online. This is a VPN that's been around forever. They've got thousands of reviews on Trustpilot. And on top of that, they've got a fantastic little technology wherein you can basically use it across all of your different technological platforms from your iPhone to your Hulu or your Roku or your uh, laptop to your PC if you're a gamer sitting at home with that giant tower that is so ridiculous. So go to ipvanish.com forward slash lions and you can get 70% off a year-long subscription. Works out to about $3.20 a month. Can't beat that to keep yourself privacy and stop people from following you around the web. Again, ipvanish.com forward slash lions. I know I do not go online without it and neither should you. Again, promo code lions. All right, get back into it, guys. So yeah, welcome to the show. I just, you know, I, I wanted to start off with this Pearl Jam ditty because I'm, I'm getting... More inclined, as you know, with the show, I want to broaden the, the horizons a little bit, talk a little bit more about what's going on in the entertainment and the culture. And I found this exercise fascinating, right? You know, any better, there's a gal in the crowd at the concert, big concert. They're in the middle of, you know, one of the rocking songs, you know, Animal is like, and some guy's getting into it in front of a chick who's obviously tuned up. I'm sure she's drunk. She's probably on, you know, various drugs, as you do. <laughs> no judgment there, my darling. But this chick starts punching a guy, and Eddie Vedder apparently is watching the whole thing, right? Eddie Vedder's got a front row seat, as you heard, and he's watching this whole thing go down. And just sees this chick start wailing on a dude for, you know, holding his camera up and blocking her view of the screen film. You know, and I kind of wish he'd go, you know, 
A young girl, keep your hands to yourself. You can't put your guy in the back of the head for filming, no. Get this bitch out of the concert and make sure she is bad for life. You can't be punching motherfuckers in the head. Oh, you know. <laughs> That's what I would have preferred <laughs> instead of this speech. But, <laughs> but the reaction to this, right? Uh, which I thought Eddie Vedder did the right thing, right? You got somebody enacting violence on somebody who is number one, not even looking at them. You, know, you can't defend themselves. Doesn't see this coming. No warning. And maybe, I don't know, maybe the, the gal had said, Hey, put your phone down, you know, 15 times. And then finally lost her temper to start wailing on him. Either way, that is concerts. Now people are assholes at concerts is why one of the reasons I don't like to go to live music, period. People that know me know that I hate going to live music. It takes a very special show to get to me going anywhere. It's too expensive. I hate lines. I hate massive crowds of dickheads. Uh, I hate paying a lot for beer. I hate waiting to get drunk. And then I hate waiting to go in line to pee the beer out that I just paid $15 or $20 a glass for. And I expect people to all be assholes. So when you go to a concert, you have to expect that. Thus, this chick should have gotten in knowing that somebody's probably going to block her review. And violence, as Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vedder, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, Eddie Vedder, red leather, yellow leather. Unique New York. The arsonist had oddly shaped feet. Anyway, as Eddie Vedder lays out, violence ain't the answer and it's unacceptable. Right? Period. And the response to Eddie Vedder kicking this chick out of the concert I've seen more people saying, Eddie Vedder, do you see Eddie Vedder kicked some girl out of his concert? Like, as though it's picking on a poor little lady, right? Like a, like a little girl that was selling Girl Scout cookies. And this is, I've seen it, I've heard it on podcasts, I've heard people talking about it in this regard, as though somehow Eddie Vedder kicking this chick out was uh, forwarding the patriarchal environment we have, you know, oh, it's deep he kicked her out. Why you kick guy? How you would she's just a chick. How do you just kick a chick out? Well, I'm sorry. Equality's equality, man. You can't attack people for no reason. Even if you have a reason, you can't simply attack people in the middle of a crowded venue. And Eddie Vedder, as the guy that is running that uh, that band for all intents and purposes, the guy that is in charge of that event, is taking personal responsibility for what's going on there and saying, get her the hell out of here. I applaud it. I think it's great. Now, what would have been, you know, I guess it's it's men with this misunderstood concept of chivalry, right? And that the concept of chivalry is not that a woman must always be excused and, uh, and women must always be right and protected in all ways, shapes or forms. I mean, look, the bodega owner who stabbed rightly stabbed the assaulter that jumped over the counter and, and came after him because his girlfriend or wife or baby mama or whatever got in a kerfuffle with the, uh, the owner of the bodega because her EBT card wasn't working. That guy had a very misunderstood concept of what chivalry is. Chivalry is not simply running in to beat somebody up because somebody told you something. And I'm sure that whatever story she told her boyfriend was not accurate. Um, but it's not just automatically saying, okay, well, the woman is, is in the right here. No, I'm sorry. She's not. She assaulted a guy. She deserves to get kicked out. And by virtue of that, you know, it's like, if she had, if the guy had turned around and punched her in the face and knocked her out unconscious, right? Let's say he's probably bigger than her. Then I could say, okay, yeah, you got a point. I don't think a man should do that. 
Because, again, getting into the concept of biology, which we will talk about later with these Quidditch bitches coming around with J.K. Rowling stuff towards the end of the show, biology is a thing. Men are bigger and men are stronger and men are faster. Men have denser bones and bigger muscles and they can hit harder. So if this guy had turned around, even though he just got punched in the back of the head, and, and honestly, he would have been his right just to turn around, swing him without even looking. If somebody punches me in the back of the head, the odds are I'm going to have my fist clocked before I go back to uh, to see who it is. But okay, then you go, yeah, he's in the wrong then. He you know, punched this chick out. But no, there's, this is a black and white issue. This is There's no gray zone here. The chick's in the wrong. She deserved to get kicked out. And anybody you see talking about how you know, Eddie Vedder kicked a chick out, bro, no, you're an idiot. He did the right thing. She violated the nap. Right? She violated the nap. Now that takes us in. And I thought it was a nice little funny thing to talk about going into this next topic. But there is a, uh, I forgot to look something up. There is a, uh, a meme going around, which I greatly enjoy. Right? And it's basically fuck around and find out. Now you've probably seen the fuck around and find out meme here, there, and everywhere. It is a, a meme basically saying, don't cross me. Don't come after me. Don't, you know, don't push me too far. Don't break the rules I put into place. Don't, um, don't push the boundaries of what would be reasonable. Or there might be a very, very strong response to what your actions are. Now, I think fuck around and find out should be, I, I could see that being honestly the rallying cry for all of libertarianism as we move into this new era of messaging and communication where a strong message is key. And that's not necessarily inspirational, but in a way I think it is because it's inspiring people to take more responsibility for their own safety, for their own uh, response and their own concept of what it means to fight back against a power that has not a full monopoly, but a bit of a monopoly. And I'll get in, I'll unpack that too. So I'm being a little bit big, but yeah, fuck around and find out right now. I was thinking about this. I saw this meme and you know, I'm walking my dogs, which is where I do a lot of my deep thinking, you know, while picking up my dog's turds. So as I'm walking around thinking about this, I'm like, you know, this is really the concept of fuck around and find out is really the great promise of the second amendment. And really why, Places like gun-free zones always fail. Why 95% of mass shootings occur in gun-free zones? Because there is no consequence. There is no threat of an immediate, volatile, and, you know, hopefully instantaneous response. Like we saw even the kid, you know, that citizen uh, hero who who took down a mass shooter within a minute uh, because he happened to be armed. And by the way, he was armed illegally in, well, not illegally. He was armed in a quote unquote gun-free zone, happened to be concealed carrying and was able to take out this gunman before he could go on a, a mass rampage. But the underlying threat of retaliatory violence is what keeps the Second Amendment so prominent, what keeps governments in check, what keeps people in check. Now, it doesn't always necessarily mean that there has to be a gun, right? But I was just thinking about the non-aggression principle, right? And we view the non-aggression principle, you know, you should not enact violence on another person without being aggressed upon first, essentially, right? You're not, you cannot go out and just start conquering people. You can't go out and take someone's stuff. You know, don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. That's the principle we believe in. But at the same time, we can't have a non-aggression principle without the underlying threat of fuck around and find out, right? Right? Because that's really what keeps people in check. That's what keeps 
things fair and balanced. Like I said, the great promise of the Second Amendment, we look at the government, is based around, the Second Amendment is in essence, I'm going to say, fuck around and find out a lot this show. It's, it's going to get deplatformed because of YouTube's algorithms, it's going to get two views. But that's the meme, folks. So F around and find out. Let's call it that just to, to cut down to the number of F-bombs. But the, the core of F around and find out is, you know, that that was why the Second Amendment was in existence. To make sure the government knew there is a line. There is a definitive line that you cannot cross. And people are going to be armed and they're going to be well armed. You know, back in the day when this was created, they were as well armed as the government. Of course, that has grown apart and the government's doing everything they can to make that disparity larger and larger because they want to have that advantage. Never mind, they've already got the tanks and the missiles. But when it comes down to it, and I've made this point many times, battles are won and lost, especially when we're talking about battles within a nation, right? Especially in a more of a civil war, guerrilla style warfare, are fought with small arms and won with small arms. So, if the government was ever to perpetrate, you know, an, an action on which the people of the United States said, okay, we can't have this anymore. Well, it's going to be a lot of small arms. It's going to be a lot of those rifles that you can get, not necessarily the massive bombs, the massive tanks and all of that good stuff. And we've seen the wars that America has lost in Vietnam, the wars we lost in Afghanistan, the war, you know, all these different wars that we've lost have all been guerrilla warfare where the population was armed with these, you know, rifles, Somewhat, sometimes it's full assault rifles, but many times not even. Many times, you know, semi-auto. Point being, the promise of the Second Amendment is the underlying threat of fuck around and find out, and you're going to see what comes to bear. You're going to see what comes back at you, that threat of violence, the threat of comeuppance for the ruling class, comeuppance for the police state that's put into position, and making sure that that couldn't happen. And... I was saying, I think that there's always going to be, when we talk about the non-aggression principle, we have to remember that this isn't just a philosophy for being a, a, a massive, you know, tree-hugging, everybody, kumbaya, my lord, let's skip in a circle thing. And I don't think that that's a healthy way for us to position ourselves as libertarians. People want strength. Look, people gravitate towards strong leaders. People gravitate towards a strong position of safety, of security. When we talk about things like the police state and how we have to rein it in, we have to rein in our police department to make sure that they're not just institutions that are held. Now, these have to be held accountable. We can swap them in and out, right? But on the same note, we also talk about how people have to accept their own personal responsibility for their safety, for the safety of their families. And I think that when we talk about the non-aggression principle, that has to be put in there. That, yes, we have a principle of non-aggression. We have a principle of not initiating a violent act on somebody without a an appropriate level of aggression or menace or threat that's coming at us. I mean, one of the big questions is always, when do you shoot? Do you have the right to shoot first? If somebody is coming around your house, right, and threatening your family, and they come on your property, even though they haven't pulled a gun and they haven't shot at you yet, they haven't done anything, do you have the right to shoot that person? Now, for me, yeah, yeah, you do. If somebody's threatening my kids and I see them on my property, if I see them coming close to my property, I'm going to give them a warning to stop. And if they don't, I'm going to kill that person because the safety of my family is paramount. Now, I also get into a little bit, you know, of course, the proportionality of violence, right? When we, you know, it cannot just be a blanket. You fuck around and find out and it always means death. That's not what that what the promise is. But when we talk about non-aggression principle, the thing that keeps people in check more often than not is the, the underlying threat of harm, 
of physical harm. And when we talk about the threat from the government, right, the reason that monopolies on violence is so dangerous is because the government also, more or less, tries to use the non-aggression principle in a fashion, right? They tell us it's the government by the people for the people, right? It's, it's your representatives. It's, the government works for you, right? We're all here. You you elect us, and we have your we have your back. And don't worry, as long as you stay in line and do everything we're going to tell you. Which, of course, this is aggression in its own right. But I'm saying this is their version of it. As long as you pay your taxes and you comply with all the orders we give you, and you comply with the police, and you comply with the military draft, you know, if that ever comes back, well, then don't worry. We won't aggress on you any more than we already have. But the underlying threat is that monopoly on violence that they can send to the police to your house, that they can raid you, that they can take your children away from you if you're acting a little bit too crazy by their definition. And don't forget that, yes, when it comes to CPS, they, they're going to depend a lot on their definition of the safety in the household. So if you're somebody that stockpiles weapons, right, and is anti-government rhetoric online, they could very well try to take your kids away because they feel it's an unfit household and you're exhibiting forms of psychosis. Again, this is why red flag laws are so dangerous, not only for gun ownership, but for keeping your kids, <laughs> keeping your livelihood. But it's that underlying threat of Violence is the underlying threat of harm. Putting you in a prison is harm. It's psychological harm. It's physical harm. You don't know what's going to happen. It's a threat. And half the threat of going to prison is the threat of violence. I don't think that's accidental. That is on purpose. There's a reason why you always see the same trope of policemen, or uh, what do they call them, correctional officers, allowing the fight to go on a little bit too long, right? Or having certain prisoners that can get away with stabbing people in this, that. Yeah. Yeah, it's the underlying threat. That's how they, these things, we know the level of corruption in prisons. We know that this exists. We know how the power structures operate. And we know that the underlying threat of violence is always there. So when we talk about the non-aggression principle, I think we have to acknowledge that this is not a kumbaya, everybody skip it a circle, you know, whoever, whoever finishes uh, SD the Biscuit. That's an inside joke that hopefully nobody will get because I probably shouldn't have said it. But that there has to be a communication that, yes, we believe in non-aggression. We believe in, pe in peacefully working out our issues. We believe in a peaceful foreign policy and a peaceful domestic policy. We, even we believe in peaceful interactions and resolutions to problems between friends and neighbors and, and corporations and private individuals and whatever else it might be. We believe in you know having courts and arbitration and all of that good stuff that keeps violence at bay. But, but, if you violate that non-aggression principle. If you come at me, if you come at me or my family, if you come at me or something that I hold dear, well, dear, excuse me, hold dear, well, fuck around and find out. That needs to be a core of what we're talking about. Because I said, you need to have some strength that has to have teeth behind this. Otherwise, it means nothing. Otherwise, it's just happy words. So anyway, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, you know, figured I'd ramble around a little bit on the old podcast here as uh, it's lost on my animals. My dogs, I'm telling them about it. My dog, my one dog, Hank, who, of course, has aggressed upon me, has bitten me in the ball sack and torn my ball sack open. And yet, look, I proportional response did not kill him. <laughs> Still have the dog. <laughs> he did get there was a response, though. But a uh, yeah, proportional response to his outward aggression. So I got a couple more topics I want to get into here. I um, 
I do want to tell you guys actually real, real quick though, uh, join the Patreon. I would love it if you could get on in there or our locals. Uh, thank you to the people that have just joined up as well. Uh, Mikey Pickens, welcome back aboard, buddy. Good to see you uh, joining us uh, at a at a very high level, which is enjoyable. So excited to see what he wants to do with his uh, his patrons there, patronage. But guys, you can go and join us at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty or lionsofliberty.locals.com. Now, hop on in. We've got a lot of different tiers, a lot of different offerings, a lot of good times. And, of course, you get my morning rants, good morning fuckhead. Those are coming out every day, except today. Actually, didn't get a chance today because I had a very busy morning. But, typically, every morning, I am picking a topic and I'm ranting at you about it. We're going to get back in with some extra content uh, as we roll into, uh, I think, some new content. I've got some ideas for some shows that are going to roll out there. So... I'll keep that under my hat for now. But, of course, also I've got Do Nothing Man. I've got my, uh, if you're watching the video, I've got my seven pages deep of Do Nothing Man here of the latest episode, which is titled, wait, what did I, how did I title it? Do Nothing Man versus the Military Industrial Complex. Come with a C-U-M and you'll find out why that is. So that's our next episode of Do Nothing Man. I'm going to be finishing that up. Should be this weekend. And as I said, there's going to be Do Nothing Mans for the patrons here and, uh, and our Lions of Liberty locals crowd. So get on in there, guys, and help support the show. And more than anything, honestly, just sharing the show, telling somebody about it. If you can retweet it, if you can uh, quote tweet uh, something uh, that we said on one of our shows, that would really help us out. Spread the message, help us grow what we're doing here and uh, keep us going. And also reviews, people. Please, the reviews. I will. I know I've said this four times. I will have a bonus show for Mean Age Daydream solo feed this week. So please go support the show that way. Go join there and uh, give me a review on that if you would. Be so kind. Got a fucking bug flying around my head. I want to smash him. That's proportionate violence. All flies must die. No non-aggression principle in existence for flies. Okay. So I saw today an interesting little wrinkle. Now, we all know that Disney, right, has had a um, a kerfuffle, hmm? a little, uh, what do you call it, a tita-teat with DeSantis, the governor of Florida and possible presidential candidate. Disney, I would say, definitively has lost that battle. Now, Disney, of course, will not acknowledge it outwardly as such. They said that they stand committed to uh, indoctrinating children with uh, messaging about LGBTQ+, uh, et cetera, in programming. I saw there was something in a Baymax episode about, you know, a man buying tampons because it was his brand, you know, that kind of stuff. Now, they have committed to this outwardly, but we're seeing the proof in the pudding, right? And that People have canceled Disney Plus subscriptions. People have stopped going to see movies. But the last Buzz Lightyear was an absolute and total bomb theatrically for a reason. Now, A Gay Kiss, which is what they put back in, right? Because they've taken it out of the original Buzz Lightyear. They put it back in. A Gay Kiss to me is not a big deal. I don't really have an issue with it as long as it's, you know, as long as it's not shoved in my throat in a way that's so, you know, like obnoxious. But that's the problem, guys, is that, the way in which Disney went about this, making a, a big thing about a grandstanding about, you know, taking all the pronouns out of the princesses at the Disney parks and all this shit and, and going after DeSantis and going after Florida and all its, um, you know, threats, which of course they, they threatened to, I guess, pull operations out of Florida. And then, uh, and then Florida went, well, we're going to take away all your special permissions that you get to run this massive theme park and basically run it as its own city. And they were like, that was a whoopsie. <laughs> that was a whoopsie. 
But point being, they put this gay kiss back into Buzz Lightyear, and that was the problem for most people, is that now it's no longer an organic addition to a, a show, right? And I think that that's the way things typically should be, whether it's race, whether it's sex, whether it's, um, you know, gay couples and, you know, whatever it might be. If it's an organic part of a story, even people that are pretty much against that lifestyle, they're going to go, all right, fine, whatever, right? The rest of us are just going to view it as life because that's life. You know, I know, I know plenty of gay people. I know plenty of people all over the place. I don't really give a damn about it unless it's shoved down my throat. Like I was saying, like that show Evil that I talked about uh, a couple episodes ago. So Disney's lost that battle. They're losing revenues. Their park, you know, park attendance is down. Everything that they do now is under a microscope. So it recently came to light just today when I'm recording this, I'm recording it on Tuesday, that Disney, which owns Hulu, Uh, is now under fire from the Democrats because Democrats wanted to run all these political ads about abortion, about January 6th, about, uh, what was the other thing they wanted to do? Gun control, right? And they wanted to run this on the Hulu platform. And, you know, if you don't, if you're not paying for the uh, subscription without ads, you're going to see the ads, you know, whatever it is, every 15 minutes or something on Hulu. So Hulu said, nah, we're not going to run those. That pissed the Democrats off. Now, the question is, of course, like with everything, is this a PETA style? You know, we we're doing this just to get PR value. You know, that when they say we submitted ads that had January 6th and guns and abortion, are they submitting ads that are just so insulting to 50% of the population that, of course, they're going to get removed? You know, like I said, PETA every year submits some stupid ass ad because PETA is full of morons who don't realize that the organization that, well, the people running it are fucking evil, number one. The people supporting it are morons who don't realize that PETA is an evil organization that murders thousands and thousands of animals every year every year that could could have been put into shelters they basically take them from shelters to kill them good job peta but peta submits a crazy ad that has no hope of running during the super bowl and they do it every year purely as a pr stunt when it's rejected peta goes i can't believe this How this? it would be like the, the ugliest man in the world going after the supermodel and then putting out a press release that she turned him down every time and called his dick tiny Right. That's basically what Peter does every single time. So the question is, did the Democrats do this as a PR stunt, knowing that these would get turned down? Or is this Disney looking at their their hands, you know, looking at their hands that have been so burned from this this badly lost battle with DeSantis, you know, licking their Mickey Mouse band-aids and going, we just got to start being smarter. Like we can't do this anymore. We can't we can't keep putting uh, this woke virtue signaling or appear to be putting woke virtue signaling or a political bias, AKA running these really, you know, vitriolic attack ads. And again, I don't know what was in them. So I don't know exactly what they're in, but this is why it makes me think more than more than not. Disney is saying, yo, we, we messed up. We got to pull it back. You know, I can't, I can't do a Mickey Mouse. <laughs> what the fuck does he sound like? Hey, Minnie, maybe you shouldn't have had that open tongue kiss with <laughs> Daphne Duck. I can't do Mickey Mouse like person. I could probably do it if I practice long enough, but I, I So anyway, I, I'm I'm interested to see because I think that you're going to see across the board now. I think you're going to see a lot of corporations pulling back. 
and refocusing on core messaging, refocusing on uh, the core offering of brand rather than you know going out there and going, uh, happy uh, LGBTQ Juneteenth, everybody, and uh, and fuck the red, white, and blue, you know, like, which is what it mostly felt like over the past couple of months. And I think you're going to see from a perspective of advertising a little bit of pushback as well, just like Disney's doing with Hulu. Because while the ads don't necessarily convey anything about the brand Hulu, as people are already looking to unsubscribe, right? Especially in a very sensitive marketplace. And, and make no bones about it. Right now, the streaming industry is in a very sensitive place where people are in an inflationary market, an economy wherein the gas is more expensive, the food is more expensive. They don't know whether or not they're going to be able to get basics. They don't know whether or not their job is going to be around and who's going to get laid off or not. They are now looking at streaming services and going, I don't need to support more than you know two. So I'm going to cut whatever's chaff. And Hulu and Disney know very specifically if those ads run, that just might be the thing to push them over the edge and make them go, you know what, fuck Hulu. I don't need to see this this bullshit democratic propaganda pushed down my throat, just yelling about nonsense. And you know the next generation is going to be the same thing. It's going to be, uh, they stole women's rights. January 6th was an assault on our democracy that, it, that we've proven now without a shadow of a doubt was not a kangaroo court and in fact was the greatest threat to America. Worse than the Civil War, some would say. Worse, to, worse of a threat to this country than the Civil War. You know, uh, bullshit like that. And then gun control, of course, is probably going to be something showing, you know, gunmen shooting down children, whatever it might be, whatever, whatever it might be. So this is a smart move by Disney. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that. All right, let's pivot to just one real quick thing about Ukraine. I just saw the Ukraine move to criminalize Russian passport applications. So. Now, and let's not forget, this is the same Ukrainian government which has jailed political opponents, the same Ukrainian government which is known for being absolutely corrupt, but by the way, possibly the most corrupt, more corrupt than Russia, the most corrupt throughout that region and possibly the world, right? And this is just, these are just the straight facts coming from, you know, before this thing started, before they were, uh, according to the Democrats, of course, who are now the, the party of war more predominantly than Republicans, the uh, the definitive democracy, we have to support Ukraine to defend democracy. But now Zelensky and his cronies have made it so that applying for a Russian passport is a criminal offense. Now, let's not forget that, of course, regions within the Ukraine have been wanting to separate for quite some time, that probably just having a, a referendum and allowing them to leave would have been the, uh, the better option here, uh, and that people in the Ukraine may be looking at the writing on the wall and seeing that, number one, the odds of them winning are basically zero. And let me reemphasize that. Ukraine has already lost the war. They've lost. It's over. Russia is a nation intact. Now, you could say, well, Russia's economy has taken a hit. <laughs> kind of, but the ruble's way up. Um, they're still doing business with China. They're still selling oil through third parties. that's still making its way to Europe. The Saudis are buying up Russian oil and selling it to us and everybody else. They don't seem to be under threat of collapse. 
And if we were going to say that Russia was somehow not a whole state, well, we would say that their economy would be so bad that the people would have to rise up and uh, and threaten them or that they would have to be defaulting far worse on any loans or, uh, or situations on a federal funding level or an inter- international monetary level than they are. We would have to say that their troops are no longer fighting for them and that they have no tanks and you know, whatever it might be. That's not the case. Russia's just fine. The Ukraine is in shambles. It is a ruined country. Its cities are in rubble. Its people are desperate. They're, they fled the country and now they have no money. So they have to come right back in. And during that, those people that now have to come back to a war-torn nation where they may not even have a place to live, to work, to exist anymore. Those people, should they decide that they want to apply for Russian citizenship, when Putin has said, if you're Ukrainian and you want to apply for Russian citizenship, we will give you amnesty to come out to our country, right? Open arms, come on in, you can you can become Russian and, and flee. Now, that may be more of a political move than anything, because God knows, I'm sure the Russians are not just going to simply say, hey, come on in like we do, and just ship in, you know, armies of rapists, like Sweden style, to run rampant in the streets and, uh, and groom children, but... I'm sure they'd question them quite deeply should they get there. So maybe it's more of a political move than anything or public relations move. But the fact that the Ukraine is now saying, if you apply for a a Russian passport, if you apply for it, it's a criminal offense and you will be thrown into jail. Great. Good deal. Good deal. I, it's just, it's the latest in a long string of indicators from Ukraine that this is an authoritarian dictatorship now. It is not a democracy. It is operating in a similar fashion to China, right? And China is not giving out passports to any of its citizens to travel. China's got their social credit system. Is this not, in essence, another broader social credit system to judge whether or not you're a true citizen and should be allowed to leave the country, allowed to repatriate to another nation. A lot of these people have Russian ancestry. A lot of them are Russian by blood. A lot of these people still identify as Russian and Ukraine has criminalized trying to repatriate yourself or declare that heritage. Just interesting to watch. All right. Last thing, guys, then I got to wrap it up. I got to go pick my kid up from uh, from daycare here. Um, And if you notice, I I know I've been doing a little bit shorter episodes and I kind of like that in that I no longer want to just pack in stuff to pack. in. so I'm going to I want to talk about what I want to talk about. And if it goes an hour, it goes an hour. If it doesn't, whatever, man, (laughs) whatever. I'll try to do a little bit more. Maybe um, I said I'm going to try to do a little bit more long form stuff. And I think next episode I may may bring a guest on. I may uh, or I may just go off on a, a topic or two that I w- I've been kind of thinking about for a while. But regardless, they'll still be 45 minutes to an hour usually. Okay, last thing. J.K. Rowling. Now, I know I've talked about J.K. a lot of times on this program because what's happened to her is so patently absurd and by the way, I did a, a good morning fuckhead talking about this topic a little bit and getting into the, her latest film uh, and my my review of that or my half review because I didn't turn it off. It wasn't, just wasn't good. But everything that's going with J.K. Rowling is just still fascinating to me. And the fact that the latest, the latest uh, attack, assault, the latest publicity stunt by these woke left dumbass, you know, millennials and sub millennials, right? Kids that are probably older in college is that they are going to rename 
Quidditch. And they're going to rename Quidditch. Let me see. Well, they're going to rename it to... Oh, what the fuck are they changing it to? Oh, I can't find it. It's some. It's something really dumb. I thought it was in this one tweet. Let me try to find it real, real quick. What are they renaming Quidditch to? Let's see what they say. Quad ball. Hmm. You can you can see why these people are are the readers. You can see why these people are the followers and not the leaders, right? They come up with the name Quad Ball. <laughs> Number one. I'm pretty sure a name, I'm pretty sure quad ball already exists. I, I see people playing a game that happens on four cards. Maybe that's called Foursquare, like the like the app that everybody was on trying to be king of the, the toilet for a day. Remember that? You check in in the your favorite shitter on the beach and you're like, ah, this porta potty belongs to Brian. Yeah, stay away. And then somebody else would take a bigger dump more times than you in that same porta potty. You'd have to go back and take another dump on an idiotic app. But yeah, Quidditch named Quad Ball over J.K. Rowling. Like now, how this is? I don't know if this is the official Quidditch League of dipshits. Oh my god! And the picture is even better. Everybody playing Quidditch looks exactly like what you'd think people playing Quidditch would look like. They look like uh, gender non-binary um, dork asses. That's uh, about the best way I can describe them. And the irony is they're gender non-binary, but all of them are running around with brooms between their uh, legs, holding it like they've got a nice cock down there. So, you know, maybe that's part of the confusion for them. So it's moved to quad ball league bosses. So it's played by nearly 600 teams in 40 countries. Ah, and it's unauthorized by the official, by J.K. Rowling, right? So she's not making any money off uh, off Quidditch. But league bosses have come out and said her comments on trans rights. Now, remember, J.K. Rowling's never said anything negative about trans rights. In fact, J.K. Rowling has said that she supports trans rights and trans people. J.K. Rowling's problem is with removing biology from the conversation and removing feminist rights and the rights of, of women. Right. Competition between men and women where men have transitioned to become females. Uh, the basic concept of biology and, and removing femininity from context and culture, uh, removing, you know, birthing, killing people, birthing people instead of women who are getting pregnant, that kind of stuff. So the International Quidditch Association, IQA and Major League Quidditch, MLQ, we'll see if they merge, make an NLQ eventually. Uh, said the writer coming under scrutiny for transpositions and blah, 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 were factors in their decision. So, oh, this is too funny. Hold on. I, I just saw this one quote. It was just too funny. They want to, uh, they want quad ball to quote, unquote, develop its own identity. <laughs> is there? <laughs> they want it. Uh, is there any funnier phrasing they could have used for quad ball? than to develop its own identity, considering what these people are about. So the, the thing that I couldn't get over when I'm, when I'm thinking about this Quidditch, right, and the mentality of people that, number one, like I said, these are followers and not leaders. So they're following. First, they followed J.K. Rowling, and they became obsessed with J.K. Rowling. And they became obsessed with Harry Potter. And they became obsessed with Quidditch to the point where they decided, well, we're going to go and start a Quidditch league based upon this imaginary game. Fine. It's fucking stupid, but fine. But now they're followers of, again, culture, right? How did they get involved in following Harry Potter in the first place? Oh, because they are followers, because they are sheep, and because Harry Potter became very popular. It became a cultural uh, flashpoint. And many people of a certain age were obsessed with Harry Potter because they were told to be obsessed with Harry Potter. 
It was pushed throughout every library, right? The government was pushing it at all of their public facilities. It was read by parents alike. It was created then through the uh, entertainment complex and pushed out to people all over the place, like good little, uh, good little sheepies to eat up. Now, I like Harry Potter, but I'm just pointing out that this was something that was pushed on all angles and all fronts for a long time. For 10 or 15 years, Harry Potter was the definitive book you had to read. It was the new uh, Angels and Demons. It was the new Da Vinci Code. And look, they're great books. I think they're fantastic. I think the movies are great, except the new ones. But these people are followers. So they followed the popular culture, which told them that Harry Potter was very important and magical and mystical and fantastic, and they had to be a part of it. So they brought it into their lives. They made it into the part of their personalities. Now they're being taught that wokeism, that trans rights, is what is most important in culture. And now they've evolved past, so they're no longer taking in this entertainment content in this manner. Now they're taking in new entertainment content, which again is focused on trans rights. Everything you watch that the new entertainment spectrum is on trans rights and trans shows and, and shoving this shit down your throat. So naturally, these followers are going to follow the trend. And now they're going to turn on the previous one. And watch, I'm sure they'll turn on this one later on too. Because that's what followers do. There is no loyalty because there is no logic behind it. There is no thinking. There is no uh, ideological consistency. There is no finding fault, finding fact, finding truth, uh, and coming to your own conclusion about it, weighing the negatives that people present to you. Because there's no argument, especially with the trans rights issue. There's no argument permitted. And J.K. Rowling is a perfect example of that. If you try to present an argument based in biology, based in fact, based in history, based in culture for thousands of years, that is not permitted. Thus, these people are simply fallen. So they attack J.K. Rowling. But the thing that I thought was extra hilarious was that this is a game based on fantasy, right? It's a fantasy game based on a book as seen in the movies. All these things are fantasy. None of these things are based in facts. None of these things are based in reality. And then we look at the definitions of gender and we look at people trying to take biology and take the difference between men and women out of the equation and tell us that there is no difference and that gender, biological gender, is a social construct. Now, what do these things have in common? What do, they, what do these things have in common, guys and girls? If you're listening at home, yell it out. That's right. Neither of these positions is fucking based in reality. Right? Is it any surprise the major league Quidditch players who play a game based on fantasy and literally are trying to bring fantasy into the reality spectrum by physically enacting it? Is there any shock to your system that these same people that have lost their concept of reality that play a fantasy game made up now can't quite grasp the reality of men and women being different and beyond that can't grasp the concept of having an argument or a debate or any dialogue about that nope we're going to rename all the genders we're going to have 75 of them. We're going to rename Quidditch to Quad Ball. Doesn't matter, guys. Fantasy, reality, dreams, whatever they might be. It's a Technicolor dream coat, and we're all just going to put it over our heads and run around, bump into each other, and then, I don't know, get high in mushrooms and fuck. For the last thing, but against everything before that. 
All right. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up. That's our episode this week, guys. Thanks for listening to Mean Age Daydream. Again, if you can, please subscribe to the Lions of Liberty Network. Get all three of our shows on there. Uh, of course, Mark on Mondays. You got John on Thursdays and me every Wednesday with Mean Age Daydream. And don't forget, we've got separate feeds, too, for those. So each one has its own moniker. If you don't like the uh, the individual or if you don't like the, the network effect, go and subscribe to the individual feeds. Hey, go do both. Subscribe to the network. Subscribe to Mean Age Daydream. Like I said, I will be pointing out a bonus episode this week. I promise you that. Scouts honor. Cross my heart. Hope to die. Stick a Quidditch in my eye. Uh, Quidditch bitches. So that's about it from me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty Network eh, bleep, bleep, and Mean Age Daydream. Keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.